Hi to my friends, and welcome into this week's episode of Forte Catholic. We are so glad that you are here, episode 360, where we have completely turned your life around in 360 episodes of this show. Gather Whitaker is here with me today, and most of the show is a segment that we are calling Am I a Jerk? And by am I, I literally mean me. There's some situations that I've been in recently where I'm not sure if I'm the jerk or not, whether it's me or the other person, just a bunch of awkwardness, a bunch of not sure how to react, how to respond. Uh, it involves traveling and airplanes and emotional support animals. And we just have a good old conversation. And I knew that I could trust Catherine Ritiker to tell me the truth. If I, if I being a jerk or not, we also uh, discussed some uh, feedback that we got from Catherine and I's last episode that we talked about shame, including some feedback um, in my DMs and from a priest on her end, and we we people just really uh, that that conversation really struck a chord with people, and we're glad that you guys have reached out, and we just wanted to um, do some follow up on that, and also talk about um, using our gifts and being good stewards of the gifts that we have given that we have been given by God, uh, but also having some discernment in when and where to use those gifts. We hope that you enjoy today's episode. If you do, please hit subscribe wherever you are watching or listening. Enjoy. Hello there, and welcome to Forte Catholic. I am Taylor Stroll. That is Catherine Whitaker. Hello, Catherine. Howdy. Uh, you doing okay? Well, once we got the camera situation figured out, it's like you and I and technology don't seem to marry well. I know. It's you you already started the show a little timid and like because I because I, I feel like, you know, you're you're still reeling from us uh setting up your your reel, your footage. There you go. Uh I was like, "Hey, how are you?" You're like, "Howdy." <laughs> <laughs> it's I'm okay, Catherine. We figured it out. It's it's we all did figure good. It out. It's all good. Thank God I have you because if it were just up to me, this would be like a you'd have to like dial in and listen to a podcast because I'd be like, I don't know how to do this. Taylor, help. Every podcast would be a live event. You gotta come over to my house if you want to hear it. <laughs> I'll give you my keys to the front door and we'll just do it here. I'm terrible. You'd think I'd be decent with technology, but I'm I need people like you in my life, Taylor. Well, this is, I, I'm glad we had the issues because honestly, this is the nicest anyone's been to me in years. Nobody has told me in years. I'm so thankful you're in my life. I'm so glad you're here. Nobody's told me that in years. So this is, I we am. should start off with issues more often. This is great. <laughs> well, nothing's rumbling than your computer crashing. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, well, I have uh, something very special to share with you here at the show and, and something very special to share with our listeners. This episode is going to be a first in Forte Catholic history. We're in like, I don't know, episode 360 or something. I don't know. We'll turn all the way. We can turn all the way around as a podcast. Uh, I think that's what this is. I don't know. We're what, what do I know? But somewhere around 360 and it's going to be the first time we've ever done something because this entire episode is being recorded while I am currently in mass. That's right. What happened, Taylor? I was uh, so, like, for, the, for a second, I was like, did we talk about this? Yes. We yeah. did. Uh, so so uh, if you're watching on YouTube, 
you're probably pretty confused because I have my normal background on. It looks like I'm in a normal situation. If you're listening on the podcast, I want to assure you that I am at my house and I'm not sitting in a church while Father's giving the homily like, hello, how are you? Hit subscribe and follow. But, so it's not what you might think when I say that I'm currently in mass, but um, have you heard the thing? There was a thing that kind of... Uh, uh, kind of riled up the old internet streets uh, a few years ago that uh, because at, at the end of mass, most of the time the priest says the mass is ended, go in peace or the, or the deacon says, the you know, deacon. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, uh, the, this mass is ended. He gives the final blessing and the deacon's like, go forth glorifying the Lord with your life. You know, there's a, there's a few options, but there's a final blessing and then like a dismissal. Right. Wow. Well, um, the last mass that I went to, the priest got a little flustered. And there was no final blessing <laughs> and there was no like dismissal. He just kind of did his thing. And then it was an awkward silence. And then the musicians just started playing the, <laughs> the closing hymn. Cause they're like, I mean, I guess nothing else is happening. Like it was a long we pause. Cause we're all waiting for him to do the final dismissal and the final blessing. Uh, so I, you know, people got all riled up. They're like, cause pe- priests were saying like, the mass never ends. Go live the mass in your daily life. And it's like, no, that's not what the church says to say. That's not the rubrics. But I am finally in a mass that never ends because my mass did not end. So everything that I have done, good, bad, ugly, in the last few days has been during a Catholic mass. So welcome. Join me inside of this Catholic mass. Well, I hope you've been good. You know, but maybe he was like, me as a mom, sometimes I'm talking to my kids and I'll just say something like, you know what you're supposed to do, just go do it. Like, right. we don't really end the thing. I'm like, just go be the kids in the house, please. Like, go be human beings. So maybe he was just like, oh, they've heard it. I'm busy. I forgot. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm sure of, of the things to forget, that's, I'm not going to say it's not a small thing, but it's like, he at least said the consecration, like he did the big stuff. He Sometimes did. it just and, and he's and he's a great priest, but he he's he's new, and I think he's that still learning. He he got he got flustered, and and it makes total sense sure. why he got flustered because uh, the parish that I was at, that you know, so after communion, the priest gives up, g- gets up, and does like a post communion prayer. So normal mass is post communion prayer, and then yeah. a lot of parishes that's when they do announcements. So he did the announcements. And then uh, the parish does this cool thing where they like uh, if, if people in the community um, can't be at mass because they're elderly or sickly or whatever, like he calls people up to come like, hey, if you're bringing if you're one of the Eucharistic oh, ministers the that's bringing you bring communion, come on up now. So he does, you know, he, he prays for them and then, you know, kind of commissions them to go off and then typically goes back up. Then that's the point where he does the. The, the the closing prayer the the cl- the final blessing and and the dismissal but i think he just got flustered with all the moving parts cuz there was like some long announcements that day and then he did go do the and then he just forgot and so the first thing that i did when i got home and i was like did i just space out for a second and this mass was live streamed because like the saturday evening mass is always live streamed and i went to go watch it to like double check if i'm just crazy like if did i just space out for it you know right. and i'm looking i'm asking my 10 year old i'm like did did you hear the final blessing he's like oh no you know like he's 10 he doesn't know yeah you're asking your 10 year old she doesn't know nobody else seemed to catch it nobody else seemed to care or catch it but i went to go watch the live stream and you know what proved it for me 
I wasn't able to watch the live stream because I think somebody deleted it. Because <laughs> I didn't want, oh, you know, but he was probably, two things. I mean, he's probably thinking after he, you know how you, you forget something and then you either walk off the stage or leave the building. You're like, oh, I cannot believe I flubbed that up. I can't believe. So I'm sure he right. was thinking, I can't, but like I'd right. made it all, like he'd gone through the checklist probably, right? Like I'm going to do all these things. And then he gets to the end and he works the thing. Um, but also, so relating this back to Texas A&M, as I usually do. Oh uh, yeah, of course. I saw this coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you did. So um, I don't know, whatever the last yell practice was that we went to. So that's like a pep rally that we have at midnight and we practice all the yells. And at the end, they turn uh, out yes, the lots. Yes, the good friendly Aggies yelling around the neighborhood at midnight. Good job, Aggies, you jerks. Hey, it's at the <laughs> stadium. So if you live around the stadium, it's just part of it. But at the end, they shut out the lots and then everyone kisses because you have to practice Whoa. because when the guy because when the Aggies score on the field you score in the stands wait wait well, wait, 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 wait 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 you know <laughs> because you back have up to and, practice like come on Kevin well, that listen. sounds that sounds like a like college kid excuse oh come here sweet girl we need to practice our kissing that's it's uh, and Aggies need to practice kissing now you're not painting a good picture of the Aggies at this moment Okay, stop talking and just listen. So yes, mom. the thing is, the thing is, is that it's a tradition. We've been doing it forever, so so we do this thing. And I was really looking forward to it because I mean, I had my husband with me. And at the end of the yell practice, I looked at my husband. I was like, "Did they? Did I miss the lots, or did you just like not want to kiss me, or what?" And I wasn't. I was an old fashioned in, so I'd had an old fashioned before the game, before the yell practice. But I was like. I'm still aware enough that I think they did not turn out the lights and they did not, in fact, turn out the lights. I was not. And everyone was like, they're the guy in the, in the booth had one job and it was just to flip the switch down and then to flip the switch back up, but it didn't happen. So I guess I'm technically, I'm still at go practice because it didn't happen. And, and and unfortunately, you and your husband couldn't practice kissing because I'm sure you still need That's practice, right. you know, 25 years in or whatever it's been. Wait, I'm not ever going to turn down practice kissing my husband. He's pretty cute. Um, but maybe my son, who is also with us, and there are a bunch of college students, I'm sure they were probably like, Phew, glad we didn't have to do that this week. So. Or it's like, oh, now we have to kiss with the lights on because nobody knows what's going on when the lights are off. It's such a silly tradition. (laughs) It's not a silly. It's a great tradition. Taylor, it's a good tradition. It's my favorite tradition, actually, Yale practices. It's it's so annoying. You know, this is is a perfect segue into into a new segment that we were going to talk about. And I, I brought two examples. I just didn't know you were bringing a third. But I had some questions for you of... Oh. Essentially, this this segment today is called "Who's the Jerk?" Because I was in a couple you. of scenarios recently. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. Uh, but I was in a couple of scenarios recently where, like, I ha- I was in a scenario and I got really frustrated and I had this like I had to like kind of slow down, kind of like kind of try to force myself to have like an out of body experience, look at the situation, and be like, "Who's the jerk here?" I just didn't realize that you were bringing one to the table of like, "Oh, let's get." 70,000 people and complain about not being able to kiss because the lights didn't tell us that we could and let's yell at midnight on Friday right next to a neighborhood I know where the stadium is it's right next to a neighborhood kids live there and every Friday night those parents have to deal with Rah! 
<laughs> did you just make kissing noises? I did. What in the world? I was practicing. <laughs> With your microphone. Oh, my God. It's only seven times a year. It's what you, hey, I live across the street from a football stadium and they start band competitions at 7 a.m. and they go until 11 o'clock at night. That's way more annoying. So, than who's the jerk 30, in that situation? Is it you or the band kids? The school district. Hey, I was in band and I love those band kids, but it's the school district's the jerk because so I'm how, like, how seriously. Can you, so, I want you to realize the two scenarios you just put forward. You're part of the problem at Yale and you're like, ah, those people can just deal with it. And then when you're the people dealing with, that you're like they need to shut up <laughs> the difference is that this is 30 okay so 30 minutes times seven is how many hours three and a half hours i don't know <laughs> okay i can't do math but let's just say four that sounds right okay and this is from 7 a.m to 11 p.m multiple times a year i don't have to be a good math person to know that the school district's in the wrong here. Like, that's ridiculous to have it go on that long. At least to have, like, at least ended at 9 or 10 in the evening. I, but the, now the I'm realizing my argument's that, a little weak I know, here. I know. I, the problem is that I agree with you in the second half, and you just don't realize that it's the same yeah. exact scenario in the first Okay, so half. let's just change topics. Okay, moving okay. on. Okay, so uh, we, we, we do agree that... In half of your life, you're the jerk, and half you're not. That, correct. That, that, that's, that's correct. Yes. And that, yes, that's probably where we'll end up with mine. So I have two scenarios where, like, I'm tra- I'm traveling. This both both of these scenarios happen while I was traveling. One in the airport, and one once I arrived. We're gonna start with the one once I arrived because uh, I, th- I think it's probably less controversial than the second one. <laughs> I might get in trouble I'll live with a few people for the second one. So the first one. I was at a restaurant. So, you know, it, it was this, this nice small town restaurant, kind of like a, like a diner or a you know, local pub or whatever, right? So I'm, I'm, with, I'm with somebody while I was traveling to go speak. So like the person that was hosting me, her and I went to go have lunch. We're sitting there having lunch and I'm just simply existing. That's all I'm doing. I'm just being me. I'm talking like this. I'm a loud person. Like that's not a thing that is debatable like i i have a loud laugh which like at least with my voice like if somebody tells me to be quiet it's like okay i can lower my voice a little bit but you know what i can't do i cannot i cannot laugh quietly i can't be like ha 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 like if something is funny to me i laugh like i laugh and it's just gonna be how it happens so i'm sitting here in the middle of this lunch and so uh we're at the point in lunch where like you know we had we had ordered our you know i I tried to order a sweet tea, but I was in the north, and they're like, "What's that? We don't have sugar." And then I tried to order Dr Pepper in honor of you. They didn't have that, so I, oh, I they had probably had. Do- they probably had Mr Pepper. Is that okay? Is that what I ordered? No, no, it's not. I okay. don't want some some Mister. I want someone. I want to drink with somebody who went to school right. for twelve years. Yeah, That's right. <laughs> uh, so I ended up ordering some soda, right? And I had already ordered our um, appetizer. So me and this lady, we had we had kind of uh, you know had hit off the conversation she had uh she's the one that picked me up from the airport so we had had like two hours to talk in the car ride um but this is like you know we're still getting to know each other we're having conversations i'm asking about the parish that i'm about to speak at i'm asking about her she's asking about me like we're just becoming friends like we're being very friendly and having a normal conversation and all of a sudden so like i i had ordered my appetizers so we had drinks, we had ordered our appetizers, we had gotten our appetizers, so I guess we had probably ordered our food at some point too. And then I'm like mid-conversation, talking 
probably like this, right? And I'm not the only person. Like, I'm not in a library. Like, it's not like my voice is sticking out specifically, right? Like, there's 40, 50 people eating this restaurant talking. And like, yes, they're probably talking quieter than, than me. I understand that. But like, it's a noisy environment, right? I'm sitting at like a four table or a four chair table. And right next to me is a four chair table. And this elderly man, probably, I mean, like 70, 75, 80 years old, like somewhere between 70 and 80, looks at me in the eyes and shushes me to my face. And he's like, and and I'm like, it's all I can do is laugh. I'm like, buddy, this is, this is who I am. Like, I can't, I can't laugh quite. I'm not going to, I'm not, and I'm not going to talk quieter. I'm not going to not enjoy this conversation because you want me to be quiet. So like, that's what's going on in my head. And all I do is I just laugh and I say, this is just who I am. He's like, you need to keep it down. And I'm like, no, I don't. (laughs) So now I'm in this awkward situation where I want to tell this guy off, but I'm sitting across from the lady who brought me in to speak at her parish. So I'm trying to be like the nice Christian Catholic person, but like, I don't think I'm the jerk in this scenario. I think he is. He made it super awkward for us. The rest of our entire lunch was awkward for me, was awkward for the person I was with, was awkward for him. And I could tell by the looks on their faces when a grown man shushed me to my face, it was very embarrassing for his wife and what I'm guessing is his grandson that was sitting with him just from some of the conversations that I heard later on. I, I, I just had no idea how to react. I'm just talking like I normally talk and a grown man shushed me. (laughs) <laughs> Maybe, you know, sometimes when I've been around some folks who are older, they have their hearing aids. And sometimes when they go into a restaurant, they turn them up so they can hear the people around them. But it also magnifies the people that are that are next to them. So I'm guessing, I'm going to make a hypothesis here, that he had turned his hearing aids up. And because you are Taylor, that you were, <laughs> and not in a bad way, but that he was getting extra noise when he could have just either turned down his hearing aids to not be so awkward. I've the only time that I was in a position like that, that was also awkward. We were at a swimming pool and we were in the pool, you know, that has water and it's a neighborhood pool. And my kids were like splashing around. And the lady next to us is like, can y'all stop splashing because I'm getting wet. (laughs) And I was like, so I don't know if you're aware, but you are in a swimming pool. Okay. Right, yeah, yeah. So if you don't want to be Attention, wet, you're going to need to. Water is wet. <laughs> and I just looked at her and I'm like, well, then I guess you're going to have to get out of the pool because we're all wet. Like I'm getting splashed by my kids too. So I don't think sometimes people think like, hey, you're in a restaurant. People are talking. You're on an airplane. People are talking. Like that's just. Unless they're being super obnoxious, I don't necessarily think that he should have shushed you. I'm going to blame it. I'm going to say he had a hearing aid in, and I think that's why he did that. So it's really it's interesting that you say that because it's it's like the person that I was with and and me didn't talk about it during lunch because like clearly they well because that like would have been awkward. Yeah, even like more they're, awkward. They're sitting like like they're like and the tables in this restaurant like we're literally sitting like. 12 to 18 inches away from these people like like we're we're jammed in right so you're gonna hear me no matter what and it's one right. of those things where like i didn't know that this man existed until he shushed me because i'm in a restaurant i'm not paying attention to everybody else i'm in a conversation with one person right and like then all of a sudden he shushes me and now that's all that i'm aware of 
It's all that I'm aware of. So like, I'm trying not to be a jerk, but I'm not going to cower to him being rude about it either. And like, cause I'm still going to enjoy myself. So I wasn't yelling and you know, I didn't get louder. I'm not going to be that kind of a jerk. I did try to like mute my voice a little bit just out of awkwardness. I don't even think I was trying to be like, Oh, let me be a saint. I was just like, you have made this situation awkward for me, but like we continued our meal. I still laugh. i still laugh loud. I'm still louder than he wanted me to be. And it was just this huge, awkward scenario that like just didn't need to happen. And, And it was, it, this story and kind of this, you know, the story you shared and the next story I'm going to share is just it's just about people being out in public together, and there just has to be some understanding of being out in public. I wasn't drunk. I wasn't literally yelling. I wasn't uh-huh. cussing. I wasn't like I wasn't doing anything that like deserved to be shushed. I'm just being myself, and I've been shushed my entire life because I've been loud my entire life. But I will tell you that it's been a while. And I'm just like, dude, no, like this is just who I am. And you're out in public and you're just going to have to deal with it. It drove me mental because it made me look like the bad guy when I, I don't think I was. I don't think I was the bad guy. I really don't. It's it's unfortunate that all those people were uncomfortable. I mean, I think I think sometimes, Taylor, people are really aware, socially aware of where they are, other people around them. And then sometimes they're just not. Maybe you've had a bad day and you're just grumpy and you snap at people. And maybe he got back in the car and his wife was like, Richard, I cannot believe that you oh, shushed that grown Richard, man. Richard Richard is a perfect name for him. I didn't even mean that. Yeah, I did. Um, but I'm sure she was like, honey, that was, she. he probably got, he probably got chatted with on the way home i'm guessing but um so. sometimes sometimes i just sometimes i just don't think that we're aware of of our own actions and then i don't think that we're very forgiving of other people's actions i don't think we play nice in the sandbox sometimes yeah and so it was interesting so we left we had we had, you know we we finished our lunch whatever and it just it just kind of ruined the whole experience like we were having a good time yeah. and it just kind of ruined like we were having fun and we still talked and we still got to know each other, but like it just, it just ruined and what was half of an enjoyable lunch. And then as we're walking away, I'm like, did you see what happened? And the lady that I was with, she was like, I, it's like, it happened so fast. I didn't really see what happened. So I kind of explained it to her and she said the same thing you did. She like, he probably had hearing aids and he was probably trying and probably trying to like hear his grandson, which like, okay, like, like I understand that. But at the same time, it's like, if you wanted to hear your grandson, you probably and you know you needed your hearing aids, you probably shouldn't have gone to a public restaurant. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just one of those things where it's just like, I, I'm loud. You can't hear unless you have your hearing aids. And our two, just like part of who we are, just clashed out in public, right? right? Yeah, it's just like it just really riled me up, but I couldn't really act out on it because I'm one it's an old man am i really i'm not gonna whatever but like i probably would have been a little bit more sarcastic in my response if i wasn't sitting across from yeah somebody who brought me in to speak at their parish right so like that's probably a good thing she's probably a good buffer but it was just like i don't know uh that so that scenario i didn't think i was the jerk it was just kind of a weird happenstance thing this next the, this next one i might be the jerk and i'm not sure so so i get uh, to tell you is that yeah, what you're you get, saying you get to tell okay. me you get to tell okay. me okay um, all right so there's two two parts to this story and the timing of it is was was kind of ironic for me so i am highly allergic to dogs highly highly allergic like the last time that i was um like 
I can be in a house with dogs, but if I, if I touch a dog or if I'm in a house that like where you can like they don't clean it, like it smells like a dog, I will mm-hmm. get sick. Like to the point that like my grandparents had animals inside their house. Like I almost never went inside my own grandparents' house because I was highly allergic and I like I would get sick. My eyes would literally start to close. My my eyes start to water. My nose starts to run. And then typically I get like a sinus infection within the next day to three days. Like it's been part of my life since I was a kid and I know it. So I like avoid dogs. Now, if I go over to somebody's house and they're generously letting me come to their house, I'm not going to be like, how dare you have a dog? Because again, like I'm in a public place and I'm not going to be that guy. Right. But I was in the airport and I was at, where was I eating? I was eating at a, a Mexican restaurant and I was in an airport and I was sitting at a table and there's a booth right next to me. So probably what, two, three, two, three feet away from me. And this couple comes in with a dog, like a, and, and it's a, like emotional support dog, right? It's like a service had, animal. Um, uh, Did it have like a service qu- animal? Okay. That, that's the thing is I don't, I don't know the difference because I know like service animal is what it's called for like blind people that like lead people around. Is it called a service animal if it's an emotional support thing? Well, I mean, I think it depends. Like we have some family members who have diabetes and so her dog like can tell she, she emits a certain smell whenever she's got low blood sugar. So the dog sort of alerts her like, Hey, oh, you wow, need to take cool. your insulin. It's really cool. So, and like I was on a plane with a veteran one time who gets uh, major anxiety when he flies. So he had a husky with him, a service animal with him. Um, usually, at least in some public places, airports, whatever, you have to have, they have to have the designation of a service animal in order to be let in to the, to the area that they're in. But there's a little bit of a gray area, I think, when it comes to. Uh, like I heard someone had like an iguana support animal in the yeah, airport yeah, was yeah, like, yeah. no, that's <laughs> no, not, yeah, no, that's, yeah. <laughs> or a peacock. No, you cannot have a peacock in the airport. So I don't, I don't know. I'm not well-versed enough to tell you whether sure. that was allowed or not allowed. And, and that's kind of like where, where I was too, where I'm just like, I understand that emotional support animals are a thing. I know some friends that have them, but here's, uh, so I'm, I'm sitting in a restaurant and a, a dog comes in and so I'm sitting at a table. They're up at a booth. It's a little bit elevated. And the dog is literally sitting between us because like, that's where you put the dog, right? Like you're gonna put it right next to the booth. So like, I haven't gotten my food yet. So now I'm in this awkward situation of like, do I move? Do I ask them to move? Like they're just getting here. I see the dog coming in. I'm going to be like, Hey, I have allergies. Can you sit over there? I'm not going to do that because that feels like, again, I don't want to be the old man at the restaurant. I don't want to be super awkward, but then do I ask to move? Like, do I ask to go? Cause like, I, I just know I'm going to get sick. The last time I was in an enclosed space with a dog uh, for more than 10 minutes, I literally had an allergy attack. My eyes were started welling shut. I couldn't like I, my, my, uh, my nose started to close, like, you know, started getting all this, all this, you know, essentially like an allergy attack where like I had to like, we were traveling and I was with, I was with, you know, somebody else was driving. It was their dog. So it became awkward just because. I'm not, I'm not yelling at them. Right. But like my eyes are closing. Like it's obvious that something's going on. Right. So like, that's the last time that this happened. Now I'm sitting next to a dog and like, I haven't gotten my food yet. So it's going to be 20, 30 minutes before I leave. So I'm going to be sitting next to this dog before I get on a plane, before I go fly to go speak. Like I'm probably going to get sick. So I didn't say anything. I didn't, you know, move. I didn't ask them to move nothing. 
But then, sure enough, when I start when I started leaving the the restaurant, my eyes started twitching and my right eye started to close, and I had to go take my extra allergy medicine. I had to take my nasal spray. Like I had to I had to do stuff do stuff, and it ended up being mostly fine. You know, dry mouth maybe for the rest of the day. Like there was definitely some reaction to me being next to that dog for thirty minutes, but I didn't do anything. But I did tweet something out, and this was kind of the introduction to this to this conversation, where I was like. I like just kind of asking a legitimate question of like, look, I understand that like emotional. So I, I wasn't thinking about like the service animals for like diabetes or blind people. I I was thinking of like, you need this so that you can feel better. Right. Or so that you can feel less anxious or whatever. And I like in practice, I agree with that. Right. If you, if you legitimately need that now where just me personally kind of gets frustrated is like a, a guy who has PTSD from the military, totally fine with you feel a little sad or a little scared when you fly, you need a dog. Like, I don't know. That's where I start to get just a little, I don't know. And and the reason being is because you have an issue. You have a, a real issue. You have PTSD, you have anxiety, you have diabetes, whatever. You have a real issue. But the thing is that me and other people on out in public have real issues too. I have a real issue that if I sit next to a dog, I will get sick. It's just, it's just a fact of, of just, just like if you didn't have your dog, you'd have anxiety or have an anxiety attack or whatever. Right. So what frustrated me was why, why does their condition get special treatment? But my condition just like, yeah, screw you because this person's condition is more popular in the culture right now. So am I a jerk? Am I a jerk for thinking that maybe dogs shouldn't be allowed on planes where the air is circulated for three hours when people are allergic to dogs? Like, it's just, it's frustrating. So I would say yes and no. I mean, I think that we have to be advocates for ourselves. You know, so we have a child who has a food allergy and um, it's a pretty, it's a significant one. So we are always mindful, like when we go into a restaurant or go into a place or even go to someone's home and we kind of talk through that. I almost wonder if now we're at a point, well, there's a couple of things. If now we're at a point with airlines that like, if you have an allergy to a specific thing, you should denote that so that like, you don't know if someone's going to be on that plane as a service animal, um, but you would not want to put them next to someone who had an allergy, say to a dog. Like I can appreciate that. So that's maybe a level that we need to put in with the airlines is to, and, and, and airports and just life in general. Like I, get really, um, I'm like allergic to perfume. It makes me really sick. Um, so sometimes I just have to grin and bear it, whatever. It's, it's, it's an inconvenience. It's not life-threatening. So I just move through it. But I also think that particularly with dogs and I love dogs, Taylor. Um, but I think that we have, we try to human, human, humanify, humanize, humanize. That's the word I'm looking for. Try to humanize dogs in the sense that a three-year-old baby or toddler is not the same as a dog in the sense that a dog is there to be a companion or there to support someone. But humans in the hierarchy of importance are more important than animals. And I think we have taken this dog issue and made them much more important in public spaces than the humans that exist in those spaces. And, you know, cause you'll hear people say like, I'm a parent to a fur baby. No, you're a parent to a dog. 
and they're lovely and they're cute. You're not even a parent to a dog. You're an owner to a dog. Right. right. Like <laughs> you have children, you know, that you either adopt or bear yourself, but that dog is just a dog. You can't. So it's almost like we've made like, oh, I'm a parent to a dog. No, no, you're, you're like you said, you're just an owner. So I sometimes wonder if that sort of bled over into like the rights and responsibilities that we have in public spaces. So I think that like, if I myself had a service animal of some, for some reason, I think that I would be aware And I think most people are aware of like, how might this affect other people? Like, I remember when we sat down on the plane that that veteran looked at me and he's like, hey, um, are you guys, because I had Claire with me and at the time she was 10, he's like, are y'all okay with the dog? And I said, you know, I think we are. I appreciate you asking. Or they would have moved us. So I think it's just being aware, like if that couple had walked into a restaurant and it was full, I think I would have me, I would have looked around at the tables and been like, hey, is it okay if we sit here? Is this going to bother anybody? And be aware of that. Or if you're in a big open space, well, yeah, you can go sit there, meaning that people could choose where they're going to be. So I think it's partly you, Taylor, that you have to advocate for yourself and say, hey, I can't be near you guys. I'm allergic to dogs, but I hope you guys have a great lunch. I'm going to ask them if they can move me. And part on them to say, hey, looking around at the tables that they're nearby, especially in an airport where people are coming and going quick, hey, is does this bother anybody? And them not being offended if someone were to say, yeah, actually it does, or I have an allergy or whatever, fine, you know, we'll move to another place. So I think it's about both parties being self-aware and us having some good things in place to kind of help prevent people from being in an uncomfortable situation like that. What's very interesting in my frustration in this scenario and, and yours maybe being a little less is the assumption that you have is the exact opposite of the assumption of what I have. The assumption that you have is you you have an assumption that most people that are bringing dogs have an awareness of the situation and would be kind and courteous in that scenario. My assumption is that this is my right and I can do whatever I want. Screw the rest of you. That That's my assumption. And may, maybe I'm right. Maybe you're right. Maybe it's somewhere in the middle. Right. But like there's a very different assumption of like because I've seen people who you know, you, you mentioned the fur babies, which is what my parents called me, but that's just because I was super hairy. That had nothing to do with me being an animal. But because of this, like, relationship with with pets, because of, like, emotional support animals, particularly being kind of a newer fad, and I, I feel like, you know, like, this is my right. And it is their right. Like, they have a right. Like, I, I'm not a... I'm not against it in general, but I'm against it currently in practice because in practice right now, it is their right and everybody else's rights. Like I have a right to go on an airplane and not get sick. <laughs> like that's just a, like I, I like, so there, it's this it's this imbalance in rights and, and kind of like my assumption in how firm they are and their right to bring a dog that I don't think like. This couple did not come in and ask to be in, like they, they got sat between a bunch of other people. They didn't ask. Nobody at the restaurant asked. Nobody on the planes asked. Nobody asked anything. Right. So when I tweeted this out in the in the uh, oh boy, air, I bet you got some responses. Airport, I did get some responses, and they were more kind than I thought they were going to be. But um, at that point, it was a mostly hypothetical. Because I took something that was really happening in my life. I'm in an I'm in a restaurant where I could escape. If I wanted to leave, I could have, right? Sure. Uh, I, I could have said I, I could have done a, a bunch of different things. I could, but what I tweeted out was like, "What if I was on the plane next to these people?" Like, because in a restaurant, 
it's it's 20, 30 minutes, which like I take my medicine, it should be fine. But like I know myself, if it's more than an hour, hour and a half, that's when it starts to really, really kick in and I will get sick for the next few days. And I just have to to suffer with that. So what I tweeted out was like, what like what recourse does a normal person like me have who is who has a real sickness? I'm I'm allergic to to them. They have a real sickness with their anxiety or whatever they're dealing with, right? But what happens when your sickness and my sickness require different things? So I tweeted this out about being on a plane. What if I'm sitting next to somebody on a plane and I have to sit next to this for three hours? Like, because at that point, if no, I, I feel that no matter what I say, I'm the jerk and I have no recourse and I'm stuck. If I ask to move, I'm the jerk. If I ask them to move, I'm the jerk. If I, if I say anything, I feel like I am the jerk because I'm making, uh, 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 what I feel like the assumption would be is that I don't care about their mental illness or whatever illness that they have. But I'm like, I, no, I, I can respect your illness, but you're not respecting mine at all. And that, that frustrates me. So I feel like anything that I say would make me the jerk. I think it's the disposition, Taylor. I think it's when you are honest with them and say, hey, I'm, so let's assume that you're on an airplane and someone sits next to you that has a dog. Oh, we're getting there. At, we are getting there. <laughs> I think I think what I would like, and I have the benefit of hindsight, but I think I might look at them and say, hey, I'm really struggling here. I love your dog looks beautiful. I love that you brought them here. I'm allergic to dogs. So how do you think we can work this out? Like, and I only say that because I have negotiated with my six children on an airplane for 23 years, which is a whole other negotiation in and of itself when you have a newborn or a little one sitting next to people who don't like children. Um, so I usually would sit down and be like, hey, I'm going to go ahead and make a blanket apology. We're going to do our best here. Um, <laughs> you know, I my goal here is not to make anyone uncomfortable, but, you know, just just bear with us. We're going to do the best we can. And um, and I see that time and time again that I don't think that we're honest with people who say, like, it's, I think it's okay, Taylor, to look at someone if you're in a position where you feel uncomfortable to say, hey, I'm really struggling, but I think we can work this out. Let's, here's my issue. This is your issue. Let's see if we can't. And honestly, I think that's the bigger problem with society is that we start to say, well, like, these are my rights. Those are your rights. We're never going to get along. You're a jerk. I'm a jerk. Like, instead of just saying, okay, so we're both struggling here. So what's what? How do we move forward? Like, what's the alternative? And having a rational conversation um, with complete strangers, like you don't know their story, they don't know yours. So there has to be a way to find common ground for the next two or three hours on an airplane. But I don't think that we give ourselves grace as human beings to assume that someone else is coming on board with an issue or a challenge, and they're trying to work through it too. I think we just sometimes only see our lane. And we get frustrated that someone else doesn't see it, but we're not taking the time to get to know theirs either. And so it's not that they're right and you're wrong. It's that you're both going to have to compromise. The, so here's the, <laughs> the irony was gonna do that, this. That, that was my outgoing flight. That was my outgoing flight. Uh, or so I was eating the, the meal that I told you about with the dog comes. That was before my outgoing flight. I tweeted out. We have a good conversation about it on the internet. And sure enough, on my return flight oh, home. Of course you did. On my three-hour flight from Detroit, Michigan to Dallas, Texas, I'm sitting in the aisle seat, and right next to me in the other aisle seat is a blind man who has a like a seeing eye dog, like a service dog, right? So, and here's the thing, like, because I, I I agree with what you're saying, I guess in premise, right? Like with like you know, I 
maybe I could say something, but like, I tend to just kind of keep to myself when I'm traveling just because I don't want to be in an awkward situation. Like, you know, like the awkward situation that I was in at, at the lunch. It ruined the entire experience for everybody. And then it was just, but it was a bad 30 minutes. On a flight, we're going to be together for the next three hours, maybe four with all the taxiing uh-huh. and everything. So it's a full flight, 100% full. Every seat is full. So it's not easy as me being like, hey, can I move? So, and then also like, this isn't even the one that I was kind of pushing up against of like, you know, the, the uh, emotional support thing. Like this isn't fake. The, like, oh, this which, is a like, real service. I'm animal. not saying yeah. that everybody that has emotional support dogs is it's a fake thing, but I am saying that some of them are that is, I 100% agree that some of them are. I think yeah. you just wanted to travel with your dog. Right. But the guy's blind. Like it's, it's, it's clearly a necessity for him to have this dog. So uh-huh. like, like I, I can't say anything. Cause then I'm the jerk. Like, oh, uh, in that case, yes, you would have been the jerk. But right. surely, but like, if you're in the aisle, could you have gone like four rows back and been like, "Hey, um, I'm allergic to dogs. I've got an aisle seat. You guys want to switch?" Like, I think it would have been a no. Like, could you have done that? Did you do that? What'd you do? Did you sit next to the dog? I did nothing. I sat next to the dog, and I've been sick ever since. I like, I it's I'm not I'm not making this up. Like, all throughout last episode that we recorded. A week ago, I was clearing my throat and, uh, you know, I did everything that I could to be sound well on the air, like to sound well for recording. But I'm hacking up a lung, you know, uh, just, just I, I, I had a sinus, I got a sinus infection because I sat next to this dog. For, for, for so a blind, Taylor, for a blind we learn, like, <laughs> we learn to be an advocate for ourselves. So the next time that you're on a plane and you're next to, sir, and and you have a highly negotiable seat. If you're in an aisle seat, 100. I was in an aisle seat. It, it gets even worse. I was sitting next to guys 450 pounds, and like I'm not skinny, but it, it, it's the worst flight experience I've ever had in my life. I'm sitting next oh, to a dog sorry, and a Taylor. guy that's bigger than me, which is very hard to do. <laughs> so well, he but, probably felt uncomfortable too. I, I know he did. And, and he and I talked about it. Like, you know, like we kind of made a joke about it. like, we're both large people. So like, but th- that's the situation I'm in, Catherine. I don't feel like uh, I could have asked somebody to switch, sit, switch with me because I, I am in a prime seat. I did not get my first class upgrade because if I did, I wouldn't be having this segment, <laughs> but I'm sitting in the, I have a prime seat. I'm sitting in the front row, like the, the front row. That's not like right out of first class. I have enough status that I can be right there. And I'm sitting next to a 450 pound guy who's sitting in my lap and I'm sitting in his and I'm sitting next to a dog that I'm allergic to. Like nobody's going to, I feel so, like so nobody's going to switch with me. Well, in that case, probably not. And so this is <laughs> right. your opportunity to offer it up and be like, you and know I've what? I've been offering gonna... it up for two weeks because I've been sick for two weeks because of this crap. Hey, but there's somebody <laughs> else who has it worse than you do. I that know. guy next to you never has his eyesight. You know, he doesn't have eyesight. So he's like, so you have a cold for two weeks? Okay. The guy next to you is like, I wish that I maybe had a more comfortable flying experience, but I don't. So I think you have to, I feel like a mom here. So honey, what I'm asking <laughs> you to do is I want you to think of the list of the people in your life that may need prayers. And in those three hours, you offer it up and you know that, you know what? I'm probably not going to feel well for the next couple of weeks, but it was an impossible situation. So instead of just complaining about the situation, I'm going to find a way to let God in and make it a little bit better. And you know what I did, Catherine? What'd you do? I think I handled it pretty well in those three to four hours, but I've gotten grumpier and grumpier over the last two weeks that I've been sick. I can offer it up with the best of them for a little while. 
But yeah. after a while, like I'm just, it's just frustrating because like, cause you're just stuck on, 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 on like, like you're right. You know, the, the whole advocating for yourself, I probably can be a little bit better. Now, was there a way that I could have in this situation? Probably not. But like it, it, it did open my, it did open my eyes to the, like the, my, my primary frustration is your problems are more important than my problems. Like that was, that was kind of the theme of the whole weekend of like, why is everybody else's issue a bigger deal than my issue that I've been dealing with since I was a little kid. Like I missed like 50 or 60 days of fifth and sixth grade because I have bad allergies. Like it's just part of who I, who I am. Right. But like, I, even like, I feel like even if I would have asked, Hey, can I move? I'm allergic to dogs. Everybody would be like, that's the Richard who didn't want to sit next to the blind guy. He hates blind guys. He made me sit next to the chubby guy. No, no, no. And then I'm still the chubby guy moving. So like, if I switch with somebody, now the person that I'm sitting with is like, oh, I have to sit next to this fat guy the rest of the flight. Like, it's just, it's just there was just no way out. And I just had to freaking suffer it. And I did so good. I was such a good Catholic boy for three or four hours. When the blind man asked if somebody could help him get off the plane, you know who did it? It was me. His dog didn't even help. It was me. <laughs> but that, like, so it was. It was all fine. But like, I I am frustrated that like, can you know, tell that, that there wasn't another that, that 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 like like you said. I think the biggest thing is like, why doesn't the airline? If somebody can put in emotional support animals, why can't I put in allergies? If your thing is a real illness, mine is a real illness too. Why? Why isn't there a way? Like, because we're stuck. That's the big thing about airlines. We talked about airlines before. It's why I don't evangelize on airlines because you're stuck. There's no way out. There's no way out of the situation. Well, I so. do think that you have to. When when I, I'm finding now that when I travel. I have to go in with low expectations. I have to expect that there are going to be delays. I have to expect that, like I was on a 13-hour flight with my minor, and they put us in two completely different sections on opposite sides of the plane. And so it was awful and horrible, and I was really frustrated for a couple of weeks. And now I look back and I'm like, probably could have handled that a little bit better. And then also I have to do a little Disney and let it go and be like, we're going to have to leave that alone. You know, I learned from that. We move on. No one in Disney has ever gotten a sinus infection, Catherine. <laughs> but they do know how to let it go, Taylor. So um, I think those are all opportunities for us to learn how to do it better the next time. You know, how would we advocate differently? How would we be different two weeks out? You know, what would we, what would be the lesson that we would take from that? And also when you travel, it's an inconvenience. It's not... Like I see those uh, ads, like I remember my mom was telling me like when she used to fly in the 60s, that they would like all get dressed up and like everyone was like, and all the ads where everyone's super happy to be on an airplane. I'm like, I don't, it doesn't feel like anyone's happy to be in an airport unless you're going somewhere delightful, like unless you're right. going to, you know, the Bahamas or whatever. So I think that you just have to know that when you travel, it's going to, it's going to be an op opportunity for sanctification that you're going to be praying for a lot of people who are grumpy and you're going to have to swallow a lot of things that bother you and just take a deep breath and know that it's not the easiest place to be. That's the lesson the you think that's the lesson you think I should take from it. You know the lesson I'm taking from it? That you're never going to tell me this story again. No, so no, 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 no. This was good. This was good. I needed I needed to process through this. Um the lesson that I took from it is I'm not waiting for my uh, 
my uh, complimentary upgrades. I'm calling three days before and using there my miles see? to get upgrades. See? I'm look at, look at the last thing. I'm never going back to steerage. I can't do it. Like we steerage. call it steerage the because people. they talk about it. Like it's a joke that that's where the that's where the cattle sit. It's not cattle. It's all the other animals that I'm worried about. I'm going up to first class, and if a dog wants to sit with me, fine. <laughs> That'll be the real funny part is when you get your upgrade and someone's oh, going to roll on with the dog i know and you're I gonna know. be like the only reason that me and the blind guy sat next to each other is because i tweeted about it two days before and the only reason my next flying experience is going to be bad is because i talked about it here on the show that's just how my life works it's so frustrating i think that's called um the just living with suffering taylor and I some are bigger than karma others. And we don't believe in that but i'm starting to <laughs> Welcome all to right. Well, speaking of karma, uh, you know, you all had to suffer through this 47-minute segment. That might be oh the my. longest single segment we've ever done. So we're No, Johnny out- Manziel. We did Johnny Manziel longer than that. <laughs> no, that was like 35. <laughs> That's funny. No, don't go anywhere. We're going to take a break, decide which one of the other two segments we have planned we're going to do, and then we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. As I'm recording this episode, I just returned from uh, trips to the Diocese of of Beaumont and so speaking up in Iowa and I just wanted to let you guys know that uh, if you ever want me to come out to your parish to your diocese to your Catholic school uh, for a retreat or a speaking engagement or to lead worship or whatever I would be happy to do that, to do it whether you work at the parish or uh, you volunteer at the parish or you're just a member of the parish and like hey we think it'd be good for this guy to come in and, and lead a retreat or to uh, to speak for a parish or to you know lead a parish mission whatever it is I would love to do that you can find out more information about what I can do and get in contact with us at fortecatholic.com slash booking. We're still currently booking for this fall season and next spring and even a little bit into next summer. And I'd love to um, to just come hang out with you guys, get to meet you guys in person. We love doing the show, uh, but it is currently just me talking to a microphone, a camera, and a room by myself right now. I love being around people and being able to uh, be a good steward of the gifts that God has given me, like we're about to talk about here in the next segment. So, uh, Again, that's ForteCatholic.com slash booking if you'd like for me to come out to your next event. Thanks. Welcome back to Forte Catholic. I am still a little angry, and that is Catherine Whitaker. You know what I just realized during the break, Catherine? What's <laughs> That entire segment was during Mass. <laughs> I was so bad during Mass. I said a lot of angry things during Mass. What a day we're having today. <laughs> I felt like the mom in the pew that was like, now Taylor. Please sit still. We're going to get to the end of this. <laughs> Is that not how you feel most times being on this show? <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. You're it's okay. my kids are good practice for you. It's all good. It's all good. Oh, I, I was going to make a practicing and kids joke, but I think I'll leave that one alone. So, thank you. Appreciate uh, that. You're, you're welcome. So, um, you had you had you got some feedback about our last episode, which is feedback uh, from a a group of people. That I'm always surprised, one, listen to this show, and two, give feedback from this show. It happens more than I ever think. Uh, so why don't you tell me uh, who you got feedback from, from our last episode together? Well, I have a retraction because, so um, our priest who listens to your show on occasion um, was listening to the last segment that we did. We were talking about shame, and I made the comment. Um, I really don't like it when the church uses shame as a tactic. And he said, Catherine, can I give you some feedback? And so we sort of talked about like what was 
what was the reasoning behind that? And what did you mean by the church? And so after I gave him a little bit more context, he's like, that makes sense. But he, he had a valid point and it made me mindful that when I said, I don't like it when the church uses shame as a tactic, I should have qualified and said, I don't like it that people within the church use shame as a tactic. Church doesn't necessarily like big church doesn't necessarily do that. So sometimes I think that I was reminded and I love it. I love it when people like prayerfully listen to something that I say or watch something that I do. And they're like, Hey, can I give you some feedback? And we're already in a place of relationship. And then they give me something like that. And I'm like, you know what? I never thought about it that way, or I never considered it that way. But it just means even more that it was from like my priest, you know, yeah. the one that we love. <laughs> and, um, and, and it meant more because I was like, you know what, you're, you're right. Like I hadn't thought about it like that. And I'm glad that you mentioned it. So I'm, more mindful, I think, of, on this episode of what I'm like, the things that I'm saying and how I'm saying them, because I want to make sure that people hear what I intend, if that makes sense. Well, so. no, ma- well, no matter what, you're going to come across as the good guy from the last segment. That, that is very clear. Uh, this is interesting. And this we I didn't realize this is what we were going to talk about. But um, the, 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 the main thing was just like, I'm just always surprised that Priest listens to this show. I'm just like, what? <laughs> why what are you getting out of this you know, like it's not for you but i'm glad that you're enjoying it right it just always like there, there are multiple priests that like i follow on, on social media and they'll just they'll just like randomly message me like hey i really enjoyed this week's show i'm like that means so much like you're a priest of god and you're like oh there listen to this dumb too, podcast though. yeah yeah there so, are people too um, they listen to stuff I, I have some interesting feedback for your feedback oh okay i'm here that, for it that so you know like most people who listen to the show, I think, listen through the reels. I get more people. We have a very good listenership to the podcast, but I think more people in my life just watch the clips than watch the show. I'm like, that's not how it's supposed to work, but whatever, right? That that clip of you talking about, like, literally the the quote that you said that you got feedback from 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 father um, was one of our more popular clips that we've shared in a while on on our social media and i think it's because and i i think it's because and i know it's because because the comments that we got that a ton of people connected with what you were saying and agreed with what you were saying and agreed i think frankly with how you worded it right because i mean they didn't know that you could have worded it a different way whatever right um right. so i i think it, I, it is interesting for me and i have i have this converse, conversations like this with father anthony a lot because like your what you said was right but what father said it, uh, as feedback is right too. I'm not saying he's wrong, right. but um, I talk with Father Anthony because he's my primary connection to the priesthood. That like that is how people see the church, though. Right. If 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 they go and they have a bad experience with anybody in the pews or with Father or uh, or a huh. youth group leader, like if they if they go to a youth group, even if Father's not involved, if they go to a youth group and somebody feels shamed the whole time, that is their experience of church. So what? I agree with what Father's saying that like the church is not the like the, the the documents of the, the Vatican councils sure. and the and the catechisms. It's not the church's teaching to be like, hey, we must shove shame down their throats, right? But in what? practice, so he's right, and I think people's people are connected with it also because like I talk with Father Anthony about this all the time. I'm like, sorry, bud, like you became a priest. Like you can do things in or I can do things in public that you cannot do in public. Because uh-huh. I don't represent the church as much as you do. Now, people have, but just because I work in the church and I, I'm on Catholic stuff, people, like, I do have to act, I, I think, to a higher standard than most normal people, right? But not to the standard of a priest. So, like, yeah, 
and it, it's it's just interesting because I think there's a lot of a lot of nuance there of like I I do think that when when bad things happen in the church, it's not the church's teaching that they happened, but it is how people view the church because of those interactions. Yeah. So. Well, and I think the hard part for me, Taylor, is that going back to the shame, which I really enjoyed that conversation, by the way. It's very good. Um, th- this topic of of shame and how we use it as a conversion tactic, that the the challenge is, is that I don't think a lot of Christians, and I'm going to put Catholics and Christians all together in saying that we know the you, gospels. You solved it. You solved it. Just put them together. I did. did Just put them all together. <laughs> I mean, I tried to do that when I grew up Protestant, but um, but I think that we don't do a very good job of reading and then living the gospels because I think plenty of us read it, but but then I'll see people say something in a talk or in a podcast or whatever. I'm like, but I don't think that you're really acting that out the way that that the church intends. And you almost have this clamoring of people that it starts to snowball and they all start to use the same tactic. And I think you're right. It does feel like the church, even though I know in my heart, that is not the ch- nowhere in any church document um, or in any good, faithful, holy priest, would they ever use that as a tactic? Um, and I think there's a difference. Um, Father Tom and I were talking about this. There's a difference between challenging from the pulpit and shaming from the pulpit. And I don't go to mass to feel like super comfortable. I want to be challenged. And there are many times that I'll hear in a homily and I'm like, uh, dang it. Yes, correct. I do need to work on that. Thank you for pointing that out because it's always said, at least in our experience with love, it's the shame part that sometimes we hear from the pulpit and not every pulpit that I think sort of leads some people, like you said, to be like, well, the church said this and I'm frustrated and I'm out. And sometimes that's spiritual immaturity of not really understanding your faith. But yeah, I mean, I think that there is a group of people within the church who use shame as a tactic and I really hate it. And so when I said that, I think I was voicing my frustration with that, but also knowing that those are people who are fallible and I wasn't speaking, I guess, in the church in its totality. But I think your point to the fact that sometimes, like, what what's the saying? Um, you might be the only Bible that someone ever reads. Mm-hmm. You know, so so we are ambassadors for the kingdom, and we need to do a better job of being ambassadors. And so when I see now, now when I'm in a position like if I'm in relationship with someone and they say something and it's shameful or I feel like it's harmful, I will call them. I don't fear fr- I don't fear confrontation. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I will call them and say, hey, man, I think you could have said that differently. Or you know what? When you said that, that made me feel like this and it might make other people feel the same. I think there might be a better way. Um, I think we have to do a better job of calling the people that we're in ministry with to task to be better ambassadors. And while I say that, I would hope that I still have people in my life saying, Catherine, you can say that better. You can do that better because we're all, we all have room to grow and all have room to be better. And we have to realize that people are listening and my hope is that what they hear and what they see are the same. I got so much feedback on that segment. People loved it. People like I I had more kudos from it. I got into like further discussions about it with people in, in DMS and on online stuff. Um, It really struck a chord with people. And I think the biggest follow-up, Uh, or the biggest question, like genuine question that people had was like, okay, like what is the difference between being shamed and like, like what you were saying, like sitting in mass and be like, Ooh, that is me. Like that is, that is my issue. And 
the way that I've always um, understood it is that sh- shame. How, how do you know the difference between shame and like conviction or sh- shame no. and being cut to the heart? Um, shame makes you either stop or go away from God. Like I'm not, I'm not worthy of this. Uh, why does God love me? I'm so bad. Um, what I did was so bad. God, how could God ever love me? Like that's moving backwards or just like, I, like I did the sin that I'm shameful about. So why should I even pray today? Because I'm already this shameful person that does X, Y, and Z sin. That's either going backwards or staying where you are. Conviction or being cut to the heart is I hear the thing in mass that father said, and I'm like, oh, that is my problem. That is my issue. It's conviction if it moves me forward. How am I going to change? How am I going to grow? Is it going to bring me into conversation with God or conversation with the people of God about how I can grow, how I can be better, how we can be better? That's the difference. And that was the big kind of um, uh, feedback I got was like, oh, like what's what, you know, or like people listen and are like, what's the, what's the difference there? So that's kind of my over, oversimplification of like conviction, cut to the heart, moves you forward, moves you towards God, shame moves you, you know, keeps you stagnant or moves you or, or like you're move, you're trying to move yourself further from God. So. And I'd offer, I think shame sometimes dismisses our humanity. You know, when someone convicts you or when someone challenges you, they often see where you are currently. In other words, they have a personal connection and they say, hey, I struggle with this too. Or, you know, I was once there too. But then when I realized this, I was able to move forward. I think it's also this ability to connect with people to say like, hey, I have been in that place too. And I have felt lost, frustrated, um, misunderstood, not seen. And this is how I moved past that or moved forward because of that, not in spite of that. And I think shame just completely dismisses our humanity and says, well, you should know better. You know, like I think about my children and like when I shame my children, there have been times that I have shamed them and I have not felt proud about it. But there have been other times that I've been like, hey, I see that you're really stressed out right now, or I can see that this is really concerning to you. And I understand, and I'm really sorry. So let's see if we can change this behavior because this thing that you're struggling with shouldn't cause this outcome. So I think I've only learned that, Taylor, because of my kids. And I think sometimes I used shame as a parenting tactic, and it's a terrible way to parent, just FYI, if anyone's listening and thinks, oh, I should try that. No, you should not. It's but a terrible it, it way happens. to parent. It happens. It does. <laughs> and, and, and I still, there, there are moments that I still do it, but I'm quicker about saying, you know what? And I will look at them and be like, you know what? That really sucked. I should not have said that. Let's, you know, we to do the beep, beep, beep. I'm like, <laughs> okay, let me back up. We've sound effects today and I'm totally here for it. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, so let's, let's start again. And so, my hope is, is that if someone's in that position in the church and they feel shamed, that the person that's doing it can realize, hey, you know what? That's a really crappy way to tell someone that Jesus loves them. Let's back that up and try that again. So it's hard, Taylor. It's hard. Uh, so there's, there's only one way out of this scenario that'll, that'll fix everything and make everything come full circle. Whenever you realize that you've done something wrong with your kids— just give them an emotional support dog and tell them to come over to my house. No, that's that's the only the way out of this. Back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you mentioned uh, before we started recording that you also had another follow-up conversation with, with Father about the show that you wanted to chime in about. Yeah, you know, we have this um, great 5 p.m. mass on Sunday nights, which I love. And we were it's just that, talking we call about— call that the hangover mass in college. 
I call it that my kids go to youth group after mass. So let's go to, or the last chance mass, right? That's the last one available. But we have this amazing family at our parish. They have three young children. They are amazing youth ministers. They were at A&M and he was one of the music, they both were musicians there. And St. Mary's at A&M sort of has this reputation as their music is incredible. So our priest asked, hey, would you guys consider doing the music? And they were like, ah, you know, we have all these little kids. And so Rebecca had texted me and I'm like, listen, like we will help you in the pew with your children. Like we believe that your gifts need to be shared with the church. And it was the comment that was said that was, um, it, it is a poverty to the people of God when you don't share your gifts. And I told her that. I said, it would be a poverty for our parish if you were not here and David was not leading that choir. Because that leads people, at least in my experience, music can deepen great greatly your relationship with Jesus. And so by them not sharing that gift— would have been a poverty to the people of God. So if our small part as a family is to wrangle some kids, which are adorable and really not worth wrangling, like they're they're totally fine. They're just busy. Um, I don't want that to be the thing that keeps you from sharing your gifts. So I think sometimes we see our gifts and we're like, I don't know if we should share this or I don't know if I can do that. But it's, it, it's a gift that's so profound and so beautiful. And all we have to do is reach out to other people to say, hey, can you help me with this so that then I can share this gift, knowing that it's a, it's a short season and then our seasons will shift and we will be able to do the same thing for someone else. So I guess when I'm discerning, like, should I say yes to this? Should I say no to that? Would it be a poverty to the people of God if God has given me this gift and I'm not using it? If the answer is yes, then we should find a way to make it work. So I'm really grateful that they said yes, because we are the beneficiaries as a, as a Catholic community at our parish, because they said yes. Ooh, we have some unintended consequences for this conversation, Miss Catherine Whitaker. What's that? What you are saying makes me feel shame. <laughs> because you know who has the gifts to make the music at, our, at my mass better? Me. You know who's not doing it? Me. So the verbiage of I I am creating a, a poverty in my church community does not make me feel great. <laughs> but maybe there's an opportunity for you to share that that does work with your family. Or Taylor, it's okay to realize like, hey, this is not my season. You know, like God does give us gifts, but I don't necessarily think like, let, let's say, okay, your gift is, you really are a gifted musician. I don't think that God is asking you to share that gift the same way your whole life. Maybe the way that you serve people, Taylor, is on retreat. Like that's when you have the time and the wherewithal to share that particular gift. And then as your children and your family grows up, then you share that gift in a different way with your parish. So just because your parish has a problem and you have the solution doesn't mean that you should always fix it. Might not be your season, but that yeah. might be an opportunity for somebody else to step into that and say yes. Yeah, and that's why, like, I don't actually feel bad about it. But, but, but you better that, not feel bad. <laughs> you have a great, you have a great. You're a, you're a great musician. Thank you. But there was something that uh, Father Anthony said on the show a few months ago that, like, because I'll be honest, I felt bad about it for a long time. I, I like any time that I have a gift that I'm not using, like. I, I can I can just because I, I have the skill set and like I've been doing this for 15 years, I can walk into most church settings and solve 
a lot of the problems. If you need somebody to speak, I can do that. If you need somebody to to run an event, I can do that. If you need somebody to EM, I can do that. If you need somebody to lecture, I can do that. If you need somebody to lead the music, I can do that. Like I have a lot of the skill set. So anytime I would walk into the part that was really important for me and what you said, it's like whenever you are discerning saying yes or no to something. And I have had to discern what do I say yes to? Because I'm incredibly busy. I'm doing a lot of different things and I'm using my gifts to do a lot of, uh, of, of good things, right? Could I be doing more? Sure. But it was what Father Anthony said. He's like, he, he realized this in his priesthood. He's like, there is always something that I can be doing to build up the kingdom of God. And I just have to say no to some of them. Like, I, I, I could always say yes to more. I, I, I just have to say no to some of them so that I can take care of myself, so that I can have some time off, so that I can take care of my other responsibilities. Like for, for him, you know, himself being with family, being with his family for me, my, you know, taking care of my family providing like there, there's just all these other things that go into it. Right. But I, I will yeah. tell you that there's been a, a few times that where I'm like, I feel bad about this, but at the same time, it was like, why am I going to feel bad about that when I'm donating my time? I, I donate hundreds of hours to that church a year. Like, why would I, why would I feel bad about not giving another two? You know what I mean? Um, but uh, there was something else that, that you said, Oh, uh, it is funny. You're like, there is a different season. Cause I, I like, that I was playing music for every mass for a parish for a year and a half. I was the music director oh. and I played music for every, every mass for the parish, uh, all Saturday, all Sunday. It, and it was not great lot. for me. It, it, you uh-huh. know, I've talked about, I talked about it was years ago, but I talked about it on the show, like it kind of ruined the experience of mass for me, not just while I was there, but like, even when I go anywhere, cause I'm just like, I can't pay attention <laughs> to five, six masses a weekend. I just can't do it. Right. Uh-huh. Um, it gave me a lot of respect for priest light. I've said all this before, but you know, then I went down to one a weekend and then now I'm down to none a weekend. And it's very funny that like that's the season I'm in. I, I'm in the season where I really enjoy being at mass with my kids, sitting in the pews with my kids because they're at the age where like, you know, like when my, my kids were babies, which I'm imagining you know, you're younger, which I'm imagining the, you know, the story that you just shared from your parish, they're, they're younger, but like they're at the, my kids are at the age where like they're engaging in mass and I like sitting with them. I like being with them, especially after years of not being with them. Uh, but it's funny now I'm using music kind of like I use dressing up. Like I get dressed up twice a year, like, you know, full suit and everything. And everybody's like, wow, we didn't know you could look good because I look like this literally all the time. Everywhere I go, I'm wearing athletic shorts and athletic t-shirt and the same pair of shoes for the last like six years. Like I just, I just keep buying the same pair over and over again. Uh, but then when I, you know, when I dress up, I was like, wow. And like this past weekend, I went and led worship for the Diocese of Beaumont and they're like, we didn't know you could sing. <laughs> So special, special occasions. But you're also often, I don't find that I have to choose between a thing that I just really, really want to do and something that I absolutely hate doing. Like those are easy yeses and nos. Right. The harder yeses are when you have, which is discernment. We talked about this with our kids just the other day. We're like, you often have to choose between two really good things. And there's not a wrong decision. But you have to be honest with yourself about what your bandwidth is and what God is calling you to in that particular season. And that requires prayer, affirmation from other people, and a peace within you as you discern what does God need me to do in this next thing? What should I say yes to? And so I think sometimes we give ourselves this guilt trip like, well, I mean, I said yes, but I didn't say this other yes. Well, but you said yes to something. So lean into the yes that you said Yes, I'm going to do that and let go of the one that you said not now. 
we'll we'll circle back to that. And we we give ourselves a lot of huff for not being able to pick up that other yes. But I'm like, but instead, just lean into the thing that you are doing, because I love that the priest said that there is you you can currently in your life do something to build up the kingdom of God. And the problem is, is sometimes we don't think it's big enough, but it's good enough. It's an impossible job for you to do alone. You're you are not the salvation of the church. I am not the salvation praise, of the church. Praise, praise <laughs> the Lord. Yeah, he is, and we all get I don't to want play. That. We all get to play our part in it. So, um, I'm exhausted. I'm I'm just I'm just still exhausted from that first segment. We did we did another another 25 minutes, and I feel like I feel like we're good. I feel like we should call it a day. What this do you is think? good. I'm, yeah, yeah, we're, we're good. Done. <laughs> All right. Well, good. I'm glad. I'm glad you got feedback. I'm glad priests are listening. I'm glad people are listening. We did. You know, we don't typically revisit a topic, but this topic just you know, from our last episode just got so much feedback, both both to you and to me, and just really resonated with people. And and I'm glad for that. So, um, if if this uh, episode resonates in a different way, if you want to yell at me for yelling about service animals, you can follow us on Instagram at Taylor Schroll, uh, at on uh, Twitter at Taylor Schroll, at Fort the Catholic on Twitter and Facebook. You can follow Catherine at Catherine Whitaker TX on Instagram. That's that's your main place. Uh, and you'll be back next month. I'll be back in a week. Catherine, this was great. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, bye everybody. We'll see you soon. Bye. <laughs> Thank you all for listening and watching today. We hope that you enjoyed today's show. If you did, make sure that you hit subscribe wherever you are watching or listening. A little bonus that Catherine told me after we uh, hit stop on our recording is that uh, the day that we recorded this episode, uh, Catherine was on uh, the journey home on EWTN. So it's just very funny to me that uh, we just ranted and raved about animals on planes for 40 minutes. And then later this evening, uh, a very important interview on a very important show is also happening today. So as you are hearing this, it is our already happened you can go watch uh catherine on the journey home which is uh it's where catholics go and talk about their conversion stories uh it's been a long-running show over on ewtn it is now on youtube and you can watch that you can check the link down in the description for the show uh, again thank you guys for listening today we're um especially if you made it this far if you made it through that rant about me on planes then you are a true fan we'll see you very soon love you